Welcome to Both Down episode 38, the number one Blood Bowl podcast. In Choctaw, Oklahoma. Yeah, that probably is. There's nothing else out there. <laughs> I think you said that last time, because I'm pretty sure that's a repeat. Wow. If you can't tell, Scott sounds like death. Hello, I'm death. Not a good death. Nurgle death. <laughs> I am the Nurgle death of Christmas, and I've come <laughs> here to uh, ruin all your holiday plans. Yeah, speaking of ruining holiday plans, we actually had a Christmas episode planned, which I guess will now get done probably this weekend and have it out next week in time for Christmas. If I can heal, if we he can... can uh, no matter what, there's going to be like... Uh, episode 39 is going to be a Christmas episode. Yeah. Um, so, it should be next week. It yeah, better be. I hope so, too. So I, I apologize in advance, but... Oh. Well... In case you don't know, that's Scott Prime. I'm Steve Kilowagi. Man, we always forget that. A lot of times we just go straight into it. I just but figure the five people that listen will They always, should know us by now. Yeah. Speaking of knowing us, um, this is something that we actually were going to put out on Christmas Day as kind of like a secret episode or a surprise. But since we're now having to wait for the Nurgle's Rot to leave the household, I figured we might as well just throw this up now and... Give you guys something to listen to. And what is this, Steve? Um, about, I think, last March. Does that sound right? Was it only a year ago? Oh, no. It was actually two years. March before last, because I was living here last March. This was back at the old house. Um, it was yeah, in yeah. Gygax Magazine was about to come out. And or issue one had been out. Issue two was about to come out. And we were approached by Mark Zuckerman of the Long Island Blood Bowl League and Snob Costas. So he was, I guess he's a freelance writer in some aspects, and he was approached to do an article for Gygax Magazine 2 about uh, other games and specifically, I'm thinking, Blood Bowl. He reached out to us because we do kind of the fluff behind it, and that was something that he wanted to actually explore was how the community is driving a 25-year-old dead game. Right. I remember when he approached us, I was very excited because I I wanted to see the article in print. Yeah, me too. Uh, Telling I, everybody, I even, we're going to be in a magazine. I even told my father about that, <laughs> and that's kind of at the moment where he was like, he didn't say it, but you could kind of see the holy crap. I'm proud of you, this, son. This uh, podcast thing's pretty cool, you know, yeah. like because I was telling him how we're, we have listeners across seas and stuff. And my dad, if I haven't mentioned it before, he has a, a boner for England. So, um, in all things, on the other side of the, the pond, as they say, because he's so anti-American now <laughs> uh, after working over there. So, I was so excited to tell him about this. And he thought this was the coolest thing. And luckily, I think he just forgot to re-ask me about it right. or anything else. He got but, the credit without actually having to show your work. Right, exactly. <laughs> Well, we did the interview, and it's basically just an introductory kind of interview, so you probably have heard most of the things that are covered, but then, you know, things happen, and it was decided that his article would not be ran in the magazine. I don't think he ever did, like, a rewrite of it. I think it was just kind of dropped. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure that happens all the time in yeah, publishing course. and stuff yeah. like that, so yeah, uh, we have no hard feelings or anything like that towards no. Mark or Gygax Magazine. I mean, no, he's been great. Of course, we would like to be published in a magazine, but uh, mm -hmm. hey, 
you know, just the the thought that for a second we were was actually pretty cool. So absolutely. But we had we had fun talking to Mark, and I don't even know why. I don't. Did, why did you even record this to begin with? I basically, record anything or, we do. Oh, okay, <laughs> just I, didn't, in case. I didn't know if you recorded it so you could send it to Mark and he could use it. That as was notes. one of my thoughts. Was okay, like, just in case he needed something, then we can go back to it. Or right, you know, in case we wanted to use something for filler later on, that we'd have it. Well. And. Here we go. <laughs> so this is why when you have the podcast equipment on and you're using it, you might as well just record it all and save it for a, a rainy day or yeah. uh, when you get the Nurgle butt rot like I have. So Didn't need Noah's butt rot. Yeah, it's not really. Okay. I don't have any fluids coming out of me. It's, <laughs> it, it's the body aches, man. Yeah. The body aches and the head swells. Yeah, luckily I've fought it off so far. The night sweats. Working on the night sweats. The dry mouths. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a good band name, the Dry Mouths. The Dry Mouths. It's not good to have a dry mouth. No. This morning, I think I drank like at least sixty-four ounces of water straight, Jeez. and I could, I would like drink, 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 and then I'd stop, and my mouth was dry. Drink, 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 and then just over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So I guess I'm dehydrated, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure glad to be. I'm sure everybody's glad to hear that. Send money, Scott Prime needs your help. <laughs> but anyways, so we got this interview. If you want to listen, great. If not, we'll have the uh, proper episode up next week. Of course they want to listen. It's very loose. It's pretty candid. And I hope you edited out any parts that we maybe talk bad about people. I edited some stuff, but not really for content. <laughs> it was just kind of time. I don't think we talked bad about anybody. No. Whenever we do, we usually let people know. So. Except for maybe one instance, but anyway, I didn't yeah, we guess. don't tell extreme that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we hope you enjoy this, and um, we'll see you next week. All right. So uh, I guess we'll start from the beginning. So I, I know you guys have spoken about this on the podcast a little bit, but. Um, how exactly did you get started in Blood Bowl? You want me to go first, Steve? Oh, yeah. Okay. You started. Um, I had a personal friend, a childhood friend who's still a friend to this day, uh, Gary Brown. It was his birthday, and we were at a game shop, and we liked to actually pl- play role-playing games growing up. And so we were more of the superhero role-playing games than the D&D you know, ones. But we came across this game with this bright graphic you know of uh this big ogre on it blood bowl and since we all played um you know sports of some kind my buddies played soccer i played football and wrestled you know this added the element of sports and fantasy you know like a role-playing game and so with his birthday money me and our other buddy we talked him into uh buying it for his birthday and i remember his mom was mad at me (laughs) because i was really influential about talking him into this this yeah i think it was like $40 $40 maybe at the time or 35 and she was just talking about how expensive this was and we were in junior high and um I even remember like later that night you heard her talking to her husband like you know Gary shouldn't listen to Scott you know and all this stuff but anyways <laughs> we opened the box up and just our imaginations and minds exploded you know we had football we had fantasy creatures and then I don't even know if we ever played that second edition right but we sure had a lot of fun and how old were you uh, see, that was ninth grade. So I was 14. probably about 14, 15 in that area. 
And, you know, we took off from everything that was in the books. We thought you just picked a team that was in the, the lore or in the standings that were in the books, and there was 40 teams. So we did what we thought everybody does is you divide up all the teams amongst your friends, all 40 <laughs> of them, and you run a 16-game NFL-type schedule. <laughs> and uh, we played every game out, and we kept stats for every, like, one square on the board. We counted that as, like, I think we counted it as three or four yards. I can't remember. We, we divided it up. And so we kept rushing stats and passing stats and all sorts of stats. <laughs> and then as every time we found new rules, whether they were in White Dwarf or, um, like, the companion book, the Star Player Companion, or I'm sorry, the Star Player book or the – companion book came out as those things came out we just added them to our league so like the first couple of weeks in our season were played with the basic rules that came with second edition and then we got the more advanced rules with skills and then we thought everybody had skills and then <laughs> so it, it was crazy it was a crazy season but we had so much fun that's all that matters <laughs> i guess I, I got into it when you know scott and i met through hero clicks I ran events in Norman and then found out, were you running events in Norman or did I get you talked into it? Uh, you started, you helped me become a judge. That's right. And I started running them at a different store in Norman. Yeah. So we became fast friends and hung out and played Hero Clicks every Saturday and did that for years. And then when he says every Saturday, he means every Saturday. Yeah, I thought about that the other day, that I used to go to a comic book store every single Saturday and run Click events and at for one point over we, a year. And at one point, we played Friday nights, Saturday night, Saturday day and night, and sometimes Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. So. so we had a full schedule of Heroclix stuff going on, and you know, I like to think that a lot of people enjoyed it because we came up with you know different ideas and changed the rules just a little bit and made them more fun, have some house rules and different scenarios and stuff. So we got to play in that, and then it kind of died out, and we stopped playing it. And Scott was like, you know, I've always loved this game called Blood Bowl. And he'd mentioned it a few times, and he was like, well, you know what? Since we got a good group of guys, why don't we see if anyone wants to play Blood Bowl and then we can do that. And, you know, he told me it was football with fantasy creatures and all these different races. And each race has different attributes and different things they're good at. And I really liked that type of role-playing idea. So uh, he kind of set it up. And I was there the first season. and been going strong ever since. I want to say that was, what, seven years ago? Yeah, every bit of seven years ago. Sheesh. And how big is your league right now? <coughs> In teams or players? Players. Players. players uh, we, we are at eight. Eight. Now, we've had a few come and go. Yeah. There was, of course, six of us for a while. And then we've expanded to eight and probably about to add maybe nine and ten. Yeah, we had one guy move out to Utah. A um, couple of guys just kind of give up. One guy hates randomness. And one guy <laughs> just hates playing games. And, and then, uh, Gary, Gary quit. Oh yeah, because he doesn't play it too often. When he loses, he can't handle it. Oh yeah, his <laughs> his buddy Gary actually was there first season, coming back and played. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, he played me in the finals actually. So. so, 
Because it used to be you, Gary, and Robert. I don't know if I talk bad, too bad about him on a magazine. But. Yeah. But it used to be those three guys that played all the games when they were kids. And Gary came back, and he was super excited. And he was not a good loser at all. <laughs> so he got way too vested in it, and he got mad. And then second season or third season? Second season, he rage quit. Yeah, he uh, kind of like second game in, into the season or something, he just got super pissed off and quit. <laughs> so, like, okay, well, that's how that works. So, realistically, yeah, we've only had one player that really just quit because he didn't like to lose. Yeah. So, I mean, really, that's pretty good. Oh, passion. <laughs> no way. There's some passion to it and it's just some craziness. Off the record, I think it was he never gets out of the house. So the few times he did, oh. he didn't want to get his butt kicked. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, you want to optimize your time as much as possible. Exactly. <laughs> so, Scott, you had left the game for a while and, and then just had the idea, hey, let's start playing this again? Yeah. Um, after second edition came out, you know, me and my buddies played a full crazy schedule, 40 teams, 16 games, and expanded playoffs. And then we decided that that was too much work, so we made a smaller league. And then about this, not too much longer, uh, third edition came out. And tell you what, we didn't like third edition because it didn't have random skills. It um, had these weird, strange blocking dice instead of a blocking table. <laughs> it didn't seem like people were getting injured as much. And they changed; they just changed too much. You know, there's no levels to the skills. And at the time, it it wasn't the game we played, so me and my other buddies just we we bought it, but we didn't play it. Uh, we played a few games, just didn't like it. Um, but I kept all the stuff, and actually, out of the three of us that all had Blood Bowl stuff, I'm the only guy that kept my stuff over the years. And um, then it went years and years and years, and I think it was about I'd say like 2003, maybe. Uh, I remember my mom wanted to buy me something for my birthday, and there was like a re-release of the Blood Bowl edition. And it might not have been 2003; I might have that date wrong, but it was a it had some extra books in it and stuff like that. And so uh, she went ahead and bought it for me, and um, I started kind of getting my buddy Gary to play a few one-off games, and then um, it still sat around because we were so invested in Hero Clicks. I mean, we did it all the time, and. <laughs> That's all we could think about. And when that started to, to wane, yeah, I was happy to have some real gaming friends that like to play games, win or lose. And then, you know, I just talked them into it because I also knew they kind of like sports on the side. So, so um, starting from the, the, the fact that you guys now got back into this league and then all of a sudden you decide that you wanted to, to do a podcast, what was behind that decision? Behind the podcast? Yeah. yeah. I'll let Steve answer first. Well, we probably have different views of it because I don't particularly remember. But I know that, you know, we'd been playing for a while and I'd seen the NAF website and we'd signed up just to get the block dice and didn't do anything else with it. And then found Talk Fantasy Football and, or I guess it was Talk Blood Bowl at the time, but kind of looked around that and, I was basically just using those resources for rules. You know, like if we had a question, go and find out how to do stuff correctly. But, so, I was looking on websites, and I saw a post about a podcast. 
And I was never really into podcasts because I don't have any Apple products. I've never had an Apple iPad or iPod or iPhone or anything. So I known the guys did podcasts, and I listened to those some, but mainly it was just on the computer. Well, I found Zwipcast. I thought, well, that's interesting. It's a podcast about Blood Bowl. I wonder what they talk about. So I listen on the computer, and I hear, you know, fake commercials for different places and star player interviews, and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool because it had a lot of the, the cool little fun fluffy things that I liked. And so I got to listening to it, and I told everybody else about it, and Scott started listening. And I'd upgraded to a fancy phone to where I could actually get podcasts on my phone now. So I figured out how to do that. So I listened to that, and then I listened to, found uh, Tackle Zone Radio, and then I found 3 Die Block, and I ended up listening to all of them. And like I said, Scott had done podcasts for years previous to that with the Couch Pirates, and I think it was his idea to do one. I'm not sure. All right, you want me to answer it? Then? Yeah, you go. Because <laughs> I don't. After that, like I said, I, I brought it up to him, and we got to listening and talking about it and enjoying it. Um, well, number one, for a couple of years before this, I've always done some podcasts over for CouchPirates.com. And that was just a, a group of my friends from college that just wanted to sit around and talk about stuff. So why not record it and put it out there and see who will listen, you know? And um, funny enough, you know, you realize how small the world is once you start podcasting because you start getting crazy. You know, you find out people from across the world is listening to you. Or you can get crazy people to do interviews with you, you know, people you never thought you could ever talk to. And so when me and Steve started listening to these Blood Bowl podcasts, yeah, like he said, it opened up, really, it was like, it opened up a world of like, wow, I didn't know this existed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's other people with a passion and a love for this game. And like he said, the the fake commercials, and while the Zlurpcast interviews were more kind of on the, on the funny side, it was still cool to have these, these star players interviewed. And I... You know, in some ways, yeah, I wanted to be kind of a part of that, and it's really funny because at work, you know, if they need a they need a leader for a committee, I'm I'm the last guy that's going to raise my hand. But when you get into the gaming community, it's like I want to be a part of this, and it you know try to I don't know maybe it's an ego or something, but try to be the leader <laughs> or or do something. And this probably goes back to judging HeroClick events because we used to run the best HeroClick events in town for the longest yeah. time. You know, people hear about us from. Tulsa and stuff. So. And that's that's true because I actually ended up being like judge and then second level and third level and fourth level. I became a level five envoy for WizKids. Right. So I was, I was basically an employee. I was receiving full sets of clicks and everything. Well, and that's part of it too because I, I, I worked up to level four and they were calling me to ask them to come work events, you know, in Las Vegas if I could get out there and stuff. Mm-hmm. And But I don't know. I just wanted to. I wanted to bring this world to other people, and I loved Tackle Zone Radio. I I loved when that started, or when I started listening to it, and then I loved Slurpcast. I mean, this is not a knock on those guys, but golly, if that was around when I was like thirteen and fourteen, when I discovered this game, you know how much more I'd even love it, even more than I love it now. I mean, it's kind of juvenile, but it's great, you yeah. know, and it's fun. 
And um, that was the I, main I, thing. We got to hear people outside of our own little group that were enjoying the game, right? And, and had a love of it. So I just wanted, and I told Steve, I was like, you know, nobody ever talks about the backstories, the the histories of the game. And I'm a real stickler on, and maybe an egomaniac in the fact that if I don't like your team name. I, I obviously I think I could maybe come up with a better team name that sounds more like it's from the old world instead of just an orc team called We Are Green or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't mean to look down upon people, but you can give this game so much more just with a little effort. And I just wanted to maybe kind of coach and help and push people in that direction and, and grow the community. You know, why not? I try and preach that to my league as well. So I, I definitely agree. Um, so you guys are obviously in the media and, and we're even, um, motivated by the media. How do you believe, since you made the comment that if this was around when you were 13, 14, how do you believe that media has been the differentiator in gaming now, as opposed to then? Yeah. Well, you you want me to go first? Well, I can state my opinion on it because, uh, the media itself has changed almost completely how we play because we were very insular. You know, there was six to eight of us. We played in each other's houses and we didn't talk to people outside of that. We knew the websites existed, but we didn't post on there. We didn't, you know, have any reason to connect with these people. By listening to the podcasts, it got us to read more about the forums which got us to meet more people, which got us to listen to more stuff, got us to read more, and then do our own podcast. And it's really opened us up to the whole world of the game itself. And like tournaments, we didn't even know tournaments existed. You know, there's never been one around here. There's never been any reason for us to think, oh, we should go play with other people. We were like, oh, we play our own rules, we play by ourselves, we don't need to go meet people. Well, Chaos Cup came around, Scott being a big fan of the fluff and me being a big fan of Chicago. We're like, we should just go do that. And really that's what's caused the shift in us from that listening to the web to Zorpcast has made us play tournaments, run tournaments, and build the game even more than you know, just us in our own little houses. I would pretty much agree with everything Steve said. I mean, it's just, it's to me, it's amazing that it's hard for me to believe that you call us media, number one. <laughs> We're just two people that love the game and trying to give back. Um, but it's it's actually really cool. Uh, the, if you, if the, you, let me try to word this right. If there's something out there nowadays no matter how small or insignificant it is, you can find it. And it's out there on the internet. I mean, there's still a podcast out there for the Star Wars miniature game that's been dead for years. Jeez. I mean, I just found that not too long ago. <laughs> not that I play the game, but it's still out there. And those people are passionate about it. And having a voice through this podcast, yeah, like Steve said, we've met so many people. It's got us to reach out by listening to podcasts first, to travel and go places. But... It's amazing that I I text somebody that lives in Chicago a couple times a month in Johnny P from Zerpcast. I mean, 
No, we haven't sat down and broke bread every Sunday night, but we're we're friends yeah. through these podcasts. And, you know, I, I talk to stream actually fairly often when I have painting questions or, you know, how, how do you, uh, you know, craft this miniature with the sculpty or, you know, the green mm-hmm. stuff. It's just crazy. I mean, we have friends over in, in England yeah. through the podcast. We have, <laughs> who were we calling the Nihilist? What was that? Uh, Jonas. Oh, Jonas and Anders. Jonas and Anders from... Those from Sweden. From Sweden. I mean, it, we have friends now from all these places that we talk to and see it on, on the tournaments. And it's just, it's really cool. And, and Twitter's really made... I think Twitter's a huge influence, too. And I can't say enough about that because with Twitter, you know, you might email people once or twice, you know, just to say hi. But generally you don't. But with Twitter, where it's so quick and so short, you know, you have all these people that you follow and you talk to. I can put something up, and I, you know, I'm kept in daily communication with people around the world, what they're doing with Blood Bowl, what they're doing in their personal <coughs> lives, and that type of connection is huge. Yeah, Twitter's a huge influence because getting somebody to commit to 140 characters is so easy. Mm-hmm. They'll give you the time of day. Um, and it feels really conversational. And it's not, oh, you know, sending an email of, hey, how's it going? You know, I hope everything's the best, and then waiting back. No, it's a quick conversation of, fuck, my cat just bit my toes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I know this guy has a cat, and he just bit his toes. And it allows you to converse with people in a friendly way more so than any other type of communication. You know, people can listen to our podcast and feel like you know us, and it's you get that sense of knowing people. But when we communicate with people on Twitter, we get that in return. Yeah, it's pretty it, – it's crazy because through Twitter, I don't know if you could call me a friend or not of her, but adult film star Vanessa Del Rio, mm-hmm. I talk to every now and then, and she'll tweet me back. And it's just through the small commitments. And we did an interview with her over on couchpirates.com. But it's just amazing to me how small the world's become with Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, because anybody will talk to you at any given time. And it's really helped us reach the fans, too. And there's there's a lot of people out there that are just like us. There's there's people that sit there and think for days what they're going to name their new human blitzer, yeah. just like we do. I mean, and that's that's nice. And also, to bring it back to media's influence... If you love something and you don't have the internet and it's just you in your small community that loves it, that flame dies out pretty quick, or it can. It's hard to keep things going by yourself. You know, Scott loved Blood Bowl, but he didn't have anyone to play with. He didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. Now that you have the internet and can talk with people around the world about the same interest, it fans that flame. To where, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the only guy in Dubai that plays Blood Bowl. You've got a whole community of people that talk to you about it that you can listen to and read. It just allows you to stay passionate about things a lot easier. I like that. Stay passionate about it. What? Where do you think the media can take the game itself? So you're talking about reaching out to the fans. Makes it a much smaller world. We're connecting on levels that we've never done before. How does it impact 
the game, maybe not the play of a single game, but how the game develops. Well, hopefully this, through these podcasts and through the media and through Twitter, it influences other people to maybe this guy doesn't know how to run a tournament, Mm -hmm. but he might have an extra $500 a month that he could put towards that. So maybe it will put him where he can find somebody to run the tournament and why he can be the money backer. Or maybe it influences him just to, like, pull out his Blood Bowl board and go find a few friends at the pub or the game shop and try to start a league or or one-off games or just to teach somebody. So So just the fact of expanding the... It expands the community. I mean, even if you get one person to teach one other person, then you Mm -hmm. never know where it's going to go. I mean... I kind of have a an interesting view on how things are done. I think with the advent of the internet and the crowdsourcing of intelligence and stuff like that, it kind of stagnates things. And what I mean by that is the game in 10 years is probably going to be the game as it is now because there's not a push by individuals to change things and to experiment and figure out something new. Now, you know, if you listen to the podcast and everyone goes to tournaments and goes to the websites, it's a homogenized view of the game. They all play by the same rules. They all generally have the same type of tournaments. You have not lowest common denominator sort of feel to it, but, you know, if a river runs over jagged rocks, it smooths them out to look the same. You know, all (laughs) this... We're getting philosophical here. Well, actually, this view extends past... This is a, a pet philosophical project I've had for a while of when's the last time that we had a cultural revolution? before the internet mm-hmm. I mean you, you can look at a movie that was put out in 1995 it looks like it could have been put out yesterday yet you go what's that 18 years ago you go 8 years before 95 and that movie looks completely different that's because the 80s suck dude well yeah. 80s well, 70s some, 60s some would say that the internet itself was a, a cultural revolution well true but with that revolution came a homogenization of ideas you know, you don't have cultural fads hitting and changing things. You have things hitting, flaming out really fast, and then going away. That's why you have the memes now, you know, Gungam style. Yeah. And, you know, if that had hit in the 80s, everybody could have been dressing like Gungam style, <laughs> and it could have stayed around for years. <coughs> but... Now, where everybody sees everything so fast and at the same time, it doesn't make as big a change as it used to. And I think that's partially my view of how, you know, bringing it back to the actual Blood Bowl, that's sort of my worry about how Blood Bowl is. We don't have a reason to change the rules or change the game or make it better. If someone decided, oh... We should change the kickoff table. It's never going to happen, you know, because we have the set rules. Everybody agrees to it. We've got the NAF that oversees tournaments. So you're just going to have house rules for your house league, 
and it's not going to change the game itself. So the only way the game's going to change is if GW themselves steps in and changes it. I think the beauty of the game is that we know, at least currently, that it's not going to change. I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all. I do enjoy the fact that it's going to stay the same. But I do think it's good to have the, with the internet, if somebody is looking for something, they can find something. You were talking about a lot of the tournaments being run the same yeah. and have the same feel to it. Uh, we had a guy from Spain who found our tournaments, our tournament listings <laughs> on NAF, and he decided to borrow some of our unique kickoff tables and weather charts and stuff for our, yeah. that we use at our tournament. And he said, you know, I'm trying to change things up here. So through the internet, he was looking for an answer, and he found it, you know, mm-hmm. through us and probably some other people. I'm sure we weren't the only people I know Matt Vanderby has said he wants to use some of our some of those Mikey rules kickoff. Right. So, I mean, there's ways to do it. And sure. The Internet's a good but source for that. That's, I guess, again, looking at the small variances versus the large static. And it, it's good. You know, I want our tournaments to be different every time, but how different can we do? Right, I understand. All right, so moving on to the to Scott's first love, that being love. Yeah, his uh, hand. Oh, wait. What's that? My hand. <laughs> uh, so why do you believe it makes the, the game more meaningful to you? I see Blood Bowl. And a lot of people are going to disagree with me. Blood Bowl is a role-playing game. It's a sports role-playing game or tabletop sports role-playing game, however you want to call it. If you invest time and you play the game like I think it should be played, it's a role-playing game, especially with League. Now, if, if you just only go to tournaments, I can kind of see where that might get maybe a little bit boring, and it is just a strategy tabletop chess type game. But when you have a league, you invest time, you paint your miniatures, you name your miniature, and hopefully you put some backstory maybe in at least the team concept of the of the team and you know where the players came and how they got there. And then over time, it grows just like if you rolled up a character for D&D or something else. You at least I know my big problem with the league is is what if somebody gets hurt? And if it's in the middle of the season, it's the hardest thing in the world for me to just to cut a player because I think of a real role-playing aspect of it. Would the Patriots cut uh, Wes Welker in the middle of the season if he had a, a knee bust? No, they put him on injured reserve. So does, does my team want to cut this guy or not? And it's, it's a real struggle, and we get attached to our names. I know me and Steve do, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of guys in our leagues that – maybe should cut some players and they can't because they're just so attached to that character, but you invest time in it. And I think it's really a unique situation too, because the, some players just for whatever reason seem to play better than others. It could be lineman number 15 and that guy never plays good, but for some reason, lineman number three, that guy plays great. And, you start to trust in him. I mean, I know I've said it before. Like, I'm not going to pick up the ball with that guy because he never picks it up. And sure enough, the other guy wouldn't. And also, it's when you play role-playing games, I think it's a little bit better than role-playing games, but that's because I also love sports, so it adds two of the favorite things together. 
But in role-playing games, a lot of times a game master is telling a story and allowing his players to do stuff. And most good game masters just don't go out to kill their, their, their <laughs> characters unless they just do something really stupid. Blood Bowl doesn't care. As they say, Nuffle doesn't care. If the random dice happen and your blitzer dies or your black orc blocker or something, then it just happens. And there's many times where <laughs> a lot of guys in our league will throw a miniature or throw some dice because that was like their favorite player. But then again, somebody else rises up and becomes the next favorite player. And also, you know, the Blood Bowl takes two, three hours to play. If you play once every two weeks with that team, you've got two weeks to fill of fluff if you want. You know, you can put as much effort into the game and ideas as you want, and you get that back. You know, I took a Dark Elf team this year, and I went through, <coughs> and I took a long time trying to figure out a name, and I came up with the Black Phoenix Ravagers, and they're uh, Shadow Forge S&M looking girls that I got off eBay, and I ended up buying some extra ones, and I got them painted to look like them, and so I put a lot of time and money into this team. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do that, I want to put a lot of effort into making the team. So, you know, I've got like 25 figures for that team now, which is more than I have for any other team. And I went through and I decided, well, they're part of the Black Phoenix, which is a black frigate that travels around the old world and it ports and they challenge teams to Blood Bowl matches and whenever they beat them, they take them on as slaves and They've decided to enter the Dragonfall, Dragonfire Blood Bowl League in order to, you know, make themselves worthy combatants whenever they go challenge other people. So I had this whole backstory, and I, you know, every name sounds like a, a pirate name, you know, Whipcracker or, you know, Keelhaul or something like that. And then I play them, and they're just absolutely cursed. <laughs> They were freaking horrible. They couldn't do anything. And it they basically, every game I played, they were teasing me. You know, they'd get to the half field, you know, the line of scrimmage, and once they passed that, they couldn't do shit. They'd fail catches. They'd fail passes. You know, the, one had fallen into paint. One had jumped from her case and fallen on the floor. Uh, two of them got stepped on, and I've never had any of this happen with any of my teams before. So I was like, well, what the hell's going on? And we'd been writing fluff every week in the on the forums about our teams. And I decided, well, this is just their way of... They worship Slanesh, you know, the god of pain. So they've decided that you know, they are hurting themselves. And they like to tease, you know, because that causes pain. So they're teasing me. And when I told, when I started writing that they were worshiping Slanesh, and that they were devoting the games to Slanesh and all this stuff, they've turned a corner. They have gone from cursed and horrible to a team that had seven casualties in one game, six in another, four in this last one. I beat a Skaven team 4-3 to three and got two interceptions in one game with the same person. 
He's been undefeated the second half of the season. <laughs> it's, ever since I did that little Slanesh thing, it has taken off. And if I didn't have the backstory, if I didn't have the fluff, it would just be a Dark Elf team that I'm playing, and I wouldn't care. I'd be happy that I won a game, but I wouldn't care because they're not going to the playoffs. Or, you know, they're not that good of a team. They went three, five, and, you know, three, three and two or whatever. But with the fluff, it provides a ton more fun. I mean, every every person who ever has played a role-playing game and they come to Blood Bowl, they need to look at each individual person as a unique character in a role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Give them a, a unique name. Take, take a little bit of time. Have fun with it. Sure, some guys are going to be named Jim Smith, but that's you know <laughs> that's how people's real-life names are. I had uh, my Campbell Claymores. They were all named after Norse people. And Scott, I had to buy a guy. And Scott's like, well, what's his name going to be? I'm like, I-, I don't know, just Ted. So he, you know, I got Snorri, I got like Action Jockson, Throwster Braggerson, Yamal Yenusen or whatever, and Ted. <laughs> and then Ted goes on to be a dominant player. Just like, <laughs> since he didn't have a true name, he decided to prove himself. <laughs> Sticking his nose up at you. Exactly. <laughs> and That's funny. One of my, What's uh, your favorite... Uh, Original fluff story in all your years of playing, non-GW related. I think non-fluff flies or non-GW. I think it's actually a lot of the stuff we put into our league for me. Uh, of course, I'm the commissioner of it, but yeah. I, I like our little. One of my favorite things actually is what we call our NIT tournament, which is um, it's it's a play on the NCAA tournament you know, the other side of it, which is the NIT for, you know, if you're not one of the top 66 teams or whatever it is now, <laughs> or 84, or whatever goes to the NCAA tournament, you know, there's another smaller tournament for everybody else. And, you know, when we were doing our league and I didn't want these guys to quit our league when we first started it, we only had four teams go to the playoffs. So I wanted to offer another like postseason tournament for the rest of them. So I came up with the NIT, which is a necromantic invitational tournament. And the fluff behind that is, is the necromantic uh, broadcast. Was it broadcast? Cabal. Cabal. Necromancers broadcasting cabal. Yeah. Okay. The, the NBC. <laughs> the, the NBC. Uh, they sponsor this tournament because what what they do it you know in their own league is they have a necromantic tournament, or I mean a league. And so what's what's the best way to recruit players? You have you sponsor a tournament, you invite teams out, and then you say, go ahead and play. And it's a lot more violent, and when people die, they really die, so they can raise the dead, and they can recruit all these people that died in this tournament. So it's a tournament designed for, you can't use your apothecary, but once the whole tournament. Uh, if you have regen on your player, you can only use it once the whole tournament. So we tend to have a lot more people die during this tournament. And with high risk comes high rewards because you get a big payoff at the end that is in addition to your payoff for each game. And it's kind of unique, too, that you can only use undead star players. Mm -hmm. So if you do get inducements and you're a halfling team, you actually could play with Ramtut or whoever that that we deem undead. And it's just unique and different and... It's really built for those teams that, you know, I wasn't good enough to get in the playoffs because I'm, I still can't, you know, I've had too many guys injured. I need to get that 
next blitzer for my dark elf team or, or my war dancer. Well, go, go play in this tournament. Hopefully you'll survive and you're going to get a ton of money to prepare you for the next season. And hopefully along the way you skill up. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's one of the funnest things I think. Now, some of the other league guys will whine because they don't want anybody to die, but that's part of, that's part of Blood Bowl. So, so I think we call ours the Flushing Bowl. By the way, it's the same idea, but it's called the Flushing Bowl. Flushing Bowl, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a town in Queens called Flushing. That's what right near us. Makes sense. I think my favorite bit that I've done is uh, I had a team first season to go along with my Norse team. They had a sister team. Um, was Chaos, which was the Ganungagap Giants, because Ganungagap was where the giants of Norse mythology came from. And I named, since they were all beastmen and chaos warriors, all the beastmen were named Norse horse names, and so I did all the backstory. And then I decided, since they were chaos, that I'm going to let chaos decide pretty much everything. Like, if I didn't know what to do, like, should I go for it, should I not, or should I pass to this guy? I'd roll to define, to find out what I should do. And then whenever I'd level up, you know, if I have three categories to choose from, I would roll to find out which category of skills to take from. So I do all this, and they go to the playoffs and come out f- fourth? Fourth. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not bad, they'll do better next year. And then next year comes, and I bought a Minotaur, and I didn't know what to name him. And I was like, well, I, in the fluff, Minotaurs named themselves. So I let him play a game, and then I named him. Well, during that game, he sucked, fell over himself, and hurt himself. So he became Bowlerfurter, which meant clumsy foot or something. And then that whole season, the team just went to hell. They sucked... Nothing went right. <coughs> just crazy dice rolls. So at the end of the season, uh, I just decided that they went into the locker room. The owner put Bolifurter in there and hadn't fed him in a while. And he ate the whole team. <laughs> because I was just so sick of him. I'm like, fine, the whole team's dead. Scott's <laughs> like, really? Yeah, yeah, the whole team is dead. You know, you can just cut him if you want. No, I want to kill him. They sucked. They deserve to die. Everybody but Bolerfurter is dead. Yeah. So I like killing people. <laughs> and, when it, and when it comes to my teams, I mean, I put so much time and effort into creating a team and location and mascot that whatever season I'm playing, I'll tell you that's my coolest team ever. Mm-hmm. And it just rotates because, for example, last night I, I looked on looked up Nagareth maps of the old world to find out like city locations. Cause I realized I've never had like a dark elf team name. So I spent like an hour and a half last night looking <laughs> at all these goofy archaic maps from all these Warhammer books and stuff. To, so I put a lot of effort into that. So at the current time, I always like whatever teams I'm playing. Yeah. So after a while, the, uh, the, the blood bowl game kind of, Lost the support from Games Workshop. Um, they they deemed it a, a specialist game, and and a lot of the support, other than you know possibly the minis that were available, uh, kind of went by the wayside. Um, obviously, it affected you know their their marketing campaign and and how they started pushing out the game. But 
since Scott, since you were around in, in second edition, you, you might have actually witnessed some of that. How do you believe that affected its popularity? Do you think it actually strengthened it out in the in in the general play of, of people who enjoyed the game, or do you think that hurt it? I, I think it hurt it at, at least at first, because as a guy who played it all the time, I also enjoyed going to the local hobby shop or wherever miniatures were sold. And you know, even if I saw a pack of miniatures, it keep that that blood bowl was on my mind. And then once it started kind of fading out, of course it wasn't on my mind. You go to the game shop or whatever. And if you didn't see a copy of Blood Bowl or you know, Articles in a White Dwarf or anything like that, then you just went on to the next game, whether it was Magic the Gathering or something else. Hero Clicks. Hero Clicks, exactly. Um, Mage Knight. So, yeah, when it kind of faded out, I just figured it was dead. You know, glad I had my old second edition copy. And then later when they re-released the, the third edition copy, glad my mom... Bought it for me for my birthday and everything else. Um, but once I found out that there was still a, a strong Blood Bowl community out there through the Internet, um, I think since discovering all that, I think the Blood Bowl community is actually growing. It seems like there's more users. It seems like there's more tournaments. Now, I could be wrong because we're you know, kind of naive to this. We've only been doing this for like a year and a half to two years now. But from my perspective, it seems like there's more excitement in our community here in Oklahoma. I mean, even at the game shop, when we post flyers, even though we are in a a gaming shop that's dominated by Magic players, they'll stop and read that and go, oh, yeah, I used to play this game. I didn't know this was still around. And, yeah, maybe five of those guys go back to their current game that they're already invested in. But maybe that sixth guy will pull out his old miniatures, maybe relearn the game or ask the store to order them a copy. And we've seen that happen. I mean, my shopkeep tells me every now and then, well, somebody actually ordered a copy of the game. And that's great. So while it's a specialist game, and in some ways I think that's good, though, because I hear all the time from the Warhammer 40K people that gripe every time a new codex comes out or they change something and their, their miniatures are no longer good or decent or the the wrong thing. I think I love the current state of the game because right now games workshop is not messing with us. The community controls it. And even if games workshop start, stop selling blood bowl copies, the game would live on because there's enough living rule books out there scattered across the internet where somebody's always going to have a copy of the rules. And there's enough independent fantasy football miniature, miniature companies making teams. So I think we're fine. I think it's a lot smaller than it could have been if it had caught on a long time ago and expanded. But the type of game it is, I don't know how much expansion you can have. One-off games are fun, but really you have to have a league or a tournament to get the full extent of the game. I think a lot can be said about, you know, they haven't completely withdrawn their support. They've withdrawn the support of the tabletop, but there are, you know, there were novels, there was a comic book, there's, you know, the team manager game, and the video game seems to be going pretty good. So, if you take the video game into consideration, I would love to see numbers on that, but I bet you there's ten times as many people playing the video game as there are that play the tabletop. 
So I could see that in the future possibly being a negative to the tabletop because, like, you know, they introduced a coin team, which some people were not happy about, some people were okay with. But since the NAF decided they wouldn't allow them in sponsored tournaments, most people are not going to be using them in tabletop. How much longer can we keep that up if the video game is popular and they can put out a new one every year and they put out new teams and then GW decides, oh, well, this is making money. You know, this other company, Dreadball, just made a whole bunch of money. Maybe we should put out a new edition. And best best case scenario, they don't screw with the rules. We're all happy. But what happens if they do? You know, that's the the only thing we really have to worry about right now is if they if they stay away from the tabletop, we're good. We don't have anything to worry about, and it'll grow or wane based upon you know just like I said the podcasts and the internet and stuff like that. But the moment that they put out a new game and it's in a store and it's got brand new rules that could really change things because new games sell a lot better than old games and it's hard not to try to incorporate those people into the game that we play, you know. So it sounds like you want them to stay out. I, keep, I keep personally do. the way they are right now. Don't, don't necessarily put out a new edition or anything like that. I would love to see GW actually make new team, new teams, not new teams as in new races, but I'd like to see them make miniatures for the game. But I do not want them to touch the rules or anything else. Exactly. I don't want them to support tournaments. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I don't want them to have any hand in it. Mm-hmm. I just want them to keep making miniatures so we could buy them and <laughs> um, maybe make us a new nice game board and just uh, put those the current rules, the LRB6 or the CRP rules, however yeah. you want to call it, put that in a nice package and, and just let the game go. Uh, Heroclix really suffers or had suffered so much. And it was another reason why we got out is that oh, yeah. every six months they came out with like, well, this rule works this way now. Now this rule's changed and this has changed. And it was too much. And they also discouraged people from doing their own tournaments and changing the rules up. So if I wanted to keep prize support, we couldn't do our fun, goofy mm-hmm. rule things anymore. We had to stick straight to... You know, open format, 300 points, or this or that, and it just it killed the fun of it. So I think by them staying out of it is is a good thing. I mean, and not changing the rules. I mean, because now that, we because now we can teach the rules. Yeah. And the same rules I taught five years ago are pretty much the same ones that are in effect now. I can't say that about Hero Clicks or even like, yeah. you know, every now and then Magic the Gathering changes some rules and stuff, and that in the long run, can't hurt the game. Yeah, but it depends on your view of hurting or helping the game, you know. I know. Some people like new stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't. So there's a lot of people out there that are still angry at Games Workshop, um, specifically around all of the intellectual property stuff that they did a couple of years ago. I remember <clears throat> I'm a big user on uh, Board Game Geek, and they made them pull all of the pictures down and uh, anything that was customized in the file section. Talk that. Blood Bowl turned into Talk Fantasy Football and, and there's a lot of vehemence out there for GW about this. Do you think this has hurt the game or has it actually drawn people closer in their I think it's hurt people who 
<laughs> would maybe have before gone to the GW website and maybe ordered a team. Maybe somebody hates them so bad now that they're going to mm-hmm. go to an alternative miniature company. Um, but I don't know if it's really hurt the game. The game is... It's been so far removed from GW that people don't associate the two really anymore. I don't think people hate the game. They hate GW. Yeah. And I'm I'm fine with that. And, you know, while I don't think what GW did was right, at the same time, they have every right to do that, too. Yeah. It is their, their property. I mean... And, you know, I was hoping that they were pulling back all the rights in an effort to reach out and put out something new because you know if you've been around for a while you've heard the rumors every year of a new blood bowl expansion pack coming and (coughs) you hear about them pulling back the rights from everything and not wanting to confuse people and then they put out the video game and the board you know the card game and you're like okay well maybe they wouldn't have done that if they obviously care about, or they did, not recently, but back then they cared about the name enough to protect it. And when they did so, they put out a few new products. And that was good for the game. You know, the, the card game's a ton of fun, and the computer game's really cool and brings people to it. So, I don't really think it hurt anything. You're gonna. It's the internet. You're gonna find people who get butthurt on, over anything. So, <laughs> you know, we had people. You know, they put out that quarantine for the video game, and people were talking about, "Well, I'm never going to play the game again because it's ridiculous." And whatever, those type of people are going to hate something because that's what they do. Fair point. Yeah. By the way, in our league, the uh, vote was to accept the quarantine. However, we need the OBBLM software that runs our league mm-hmm. to be updated to the new version in order to be able to take it. Hmm. See, I really like it. I thought it was a ton of fun. And I wish that they would have accepted it. But when th- I was all dead set to fight for it and be like, this is ridiculous. You're running people off, you know. Anybody who plays the video game might want to play that in tabletop, blah, blah, blah. But the moment that they said they spoke to GW, and GW said that it is not going in the tabletop rules, my mind was able to go, okay, two different games at that point. If GW says it's not going in the tabletop rules, that's all I need. Until they say it does. (laughs) And then we have a whole other fight on our hands. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, I mean... Off the record, um, they did force a quarantine on a video game. It wasn't like Cyanide asked for it. GW said, here's corn, put it in your damn game. And when we talked to Jay Little, uh, the video, the card game, I kind of you know, hinted at, so have they ever told you that you have to put in certain teams? And he kind of gave that non-committal laugh. Which, of course, I read into as, well, maybe. Maybe you'll see. <laughs> and then, what did, what's the... Uh, what did they just... They just released new pictures of corn models and demons and stuff. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. So, I still think there's some validity to the 
the new box set with four teams, and one of them's going to be corn. Well, that's fine. I hope. That's interesting. And, and they obviously were involved heavily with what races were available in the original video game, or not the original, in the, um, the Ultimate Edition, because they weren't allowing for cast wars at the time because they didn't want to support them. And then all of a sudden, they did. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I would love to see a re-release with the same rules, but added the corn team. Okay. That's just me. So what... <laughs> Sorry. Nothing. Okay. So, one of the, uh, the challenges I know that my league faces is always trying to find new players. And, you know, I'll run game days every once in a while or demo games <coughs> at our local FLGS and, and try and get the, the word out there. But it's tough. You know, it's a lot of work, and, and, and I try, but I don't get a lot of reward for it. You guys are challenged even more because you play your league, as I understand it, mostly in homes. So how do you recruit new players into your leagues? You say you're adding one or two players. How, how does that happen? Uh, we really don't recruit. And by that, I mean... We do, but we don't. We we try to keep it within friends and people that we know will work with our league. Um, if there was a guy at the game shop who just said, hey, I'm looking to play a Blood Bowl league, there's no way I'd ask him to play in our league. Mm-hmm. And that's not because I don't like him or whatever. We play with some house rules, random skills, number one. We don't stall in our league. You know, if you've done everything on the board and your dwarf could just walk it in, the guy with the ball, then you should walk it in. It's just a kind of our gentleman's agreement. Now, tournaments, I'll stall like a, yeah. <laughs> I'll stall like a dwarf with an elf team. You know, I don't, I, it doesn't bother me. And tournaments will never turn someone away. We're more than happy to have you. Exactly. But I like this being more personal because I also can – I know Steve, and when I go – Steve, you've got to name your player. You can't just have him be called player number seven. He's not going to get hurt by that. He's going to go, oh, you're right, or whatever. Or, you know, I've, I'm really a big stickler on the team names. And I've told people, no, that name's not going to work for me. It's not going to be in our league. You either find a way to make it in our league or you change the name. And then some people will go maybe change the spelling or they'll actually do some research and go, okay. Like one guy wanted to do a team called the Hanna-Barbarians, which is a cute name and play on Hanna-Barbera, the the cartoon company. But I said, no, it's just not going to be named just Hanna-Barbarians. Well, then he came up with an elaborate backstory, did some research. He changed the spelling of Hanna to H apostrophe N-A-A, I think. N-A-A, right. And they were the Barbarians, and they were a Norse team and stuff. And he put so much effort into the backstory, I was then accepting him. But a stranger off the, you know, just just meets at the game shop, I'm not going to deal with it. If I don't trust you enough to be at my kitchen table around my kids, you're really not going to be in our league. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because we're just a close-knit group of friends. Um, We mainly started it to give us a reason to hang out with each other. You know, not that we didn't have reasons because we like each other, but, you know, we, we were so used to seeing each other at Heroclix that we wanted to make sure that, you know, we didn't just lose touch with each other. So we did this, and it's a matter of, you know, we talk to friends, friends show interest, we show it to them, and they may choose to play in a tournament and or learn a couple of rules. And, you know, we... 
had kind of a smaller season almost this past season because we had one of the guys move away. We got one coach in because uh, Steve, the other Steve, was he's a gamer, but you know he'd never really been introduced to it. Well, Scott showed it to him, and he enjoyed it enough to play, so he came in. Uh, we had another friend that we used to play Hero Clicks with that we don't get to see too often, and Scott showed it to him, and now he's starting to play, and he's going to come in next season. And we happened to meet a couple of guys locally that, you know, we have. We've toyed with the idea of letting them into the league. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't quite decided yet, but it's really just a matter of trust because I don't want to meet people. At the, I wouldn't mind, but I don't really want to have to go to the game shop every week. Right. To play my game. I want to play it with friends. I want it, the competition to be high. I don't want somebody just to sandbag a game. But at the same time, I want to be able to get mad at Steve during the game. And then after the game, we, we laugh and go eat some pizza or whatever. And then we move on to the next week. Mm-hmm. And typically, and I know it sounds kind of crazy, your friends will at least shoot ideas off of you. I seems like if you get a stranger in the group, then he'll try to like have an uprising or something. And then, and I don't want people to do that. I'm kind of a control freak on that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are, are the players in your league uh, sports fans, or are they like most gamers where they couldn't really care less? I would say 80% of them are sports fans. We have a few guys that just don't care anything about sports. But... Let's see, who do we have? You and me, both into football. Right. Sarge is big into football. Right. Alan's Alan is, is not... But, but he college football. Yeah, he'll watch OU football. Right. Kevin Williams will watch some college football. Uh, we have a few guys that's Steve not. doesn't care. Steve and Brian don't really care about sports. Brian doesn't watch at all. Right. Brock cares. So, yeah, I'd say I'd say 80% yeah. of us like sports, uh, some type of sports. And I would say <laughs> 80% of us, if not 90% of us, have played role-playing games and loved role-playing games in the past. So mm-hmm. that's a great element to have all that. It's interesting because my league is is pretty much the opposite. I myself am a, a, a huge sports nut, but uh, I'm one of the only ones. Most of the people in my league couldn't care less. And um, I have actually noticed a little bit of a barrier there. If they're not a sports fan, then you know, it takes a little bit longer for them to really grab onto the game. The other Steve in our league, uh, he's a pretty good gamer um, when he wants to be. He's, he's the type of guy that rather cause you to get mad even though he might lose the game but he just wants to annoy you but he's a pretty good gamer he catches on he's a smart guy but he was having really struggling with blood bowl and he kept saying oh i've never played sports i don't watch sports and blood bowl in its essence is just a strategy game with dice Mm -hmm. uh you know setting up your tackle zones trying to make the other guy roll more so and making it harder for the other person and finally when we about halfway through the season we were like dude Stop thinking of this as a sports game. Think of this as just like a war game or, you know, a, just a flat-out tabletop game. And then he actually started playing better and getting it. So, yeah, there is – I think there's a little bit of maybe of intimidation that it's a sports game and you yeah. have to play f- high school football to play Blood Bowl, and that's not the case. Yeah, actually, the best player in our league doesn't even know who Tom Brady is. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he can crush Which I laugh every time. But he, he could probably tell you the exact probability of dodging through three tackle zones, picking it up with two yeah. two tackle zones on the ball and, and going for it. Yep, definitely can. We definitely can. Um I, I I don't know how big the gaming scene is down in, in Norman, Oklahoma, but um at least up in New York there are game stores that are popping up all over the place. There's been a a real resurgence in board gaming, tabletop gaming, even stretching into RPGs. Um, and do you think this has helped Blood Bowl, or do you think this is pulling people away from Blood Bowl? I don't think it's hurt at all, because it's another... I mean, for every person that walks into a gaming shop that wants a board game or the latest Munchkin or Magic the Gathering, you're going to find one person that likes sports likes role-playing games, and Blood Bowl's perfect for them. So, no, I don't think it's hurt those people at all. Um, yes, we've uh, – around here we have quite a few game shops, and I know the game shop I help out with where we run our tournaments. They're a comic book store slash game shop, but in reality, they're a game shop. Oh, the, yeah. the comics could all go away and – They'd the, probably be better off for it. They'd Actually, yeah, probably <laughs> be better off on it. They Now, Magic's the big game – you know, in Norman, because we're next to a college campus, and every college kid that comes in for four years goes and plays Magic. That's just something they do. I mean, they have 60 people there for, or I'm sorry, 40 to 50 people there on, like, Friday Night Magics. And when we run, uh, like, pre-release tournaments, he, he does three flights, ones that start at midnight, the next day at 10 o'clock, and, the, and at 7 o'clock. And we sell out every one of those with 70 people. So it's ridiculous how much, how popular I know Magic is. Mm-hmm. But... The other games sell just as well. The role-playing games, board games, and, you know, the smaller games like Blood Bowl, every now and then somebody will buy one, or at least act interested. I think our problem is we don't have a continued presence of Blood Bowl at any of the stores currently. You know, none. there was a league at a store, if you want to call it that. It was... It had too many house rules that oh, took Lord. away from the game. Stuff it was like not Blood Bowl. Mighty Blow wouldn't work on. The guy running it didn't as, like certain rules, so he, he just changed them. He thought that everything was too leaning towards the Edge teams now and not enough against the Bash teams. So he decided that he's going to take fourth edition rules and tweak them, and it it was insane like piling on would allow you to add your strength to the dice rolls so basically your mummy with piling on is going to auto break skaven armor every single time wow <laughs> so aside from that league there hasn't been much blood bowl in the stores in years no and i and steve's right i think if we concentrated our effort into a store league I really think we've actually helped the community a lot more. And truthfully, right now, I have two small children at home, and I don't have the extra time. Yeah. I mean. And with the podcast and everything else that we do, time is at a premium. You know, we play our own games at our, you know, league. And I'm not that much of a people person. <laughs> yes, you are. You, you say that, but you are. Uh, no. I'm good at it. This guy but, says this, but we go to tournaments, and this guy has everybody all over him. He has people from Canada sell, <laughs> sending him comics and bacon crackers. And what does Scott get? He gets nothing. Scott gets nothing. <laughs> there's a shiny rock <laughs> in this podcast, and his name is Steve Campbell. And then there's a, a big fat turd named Scott Prime, and nobody <laughs> cares about me. That's very true. At least that's our joke. 
But everybody loves Steve. But honestly, I'm I'm still that shy little guy inside, and I don't like if you just told me go to the store and show people how to run Blood Bowl. I don't want to do it. There's a gaming group that meets every Tuesday, you know, two miles from my house. I could go there and show people and hang out. It's not what I do. If I know people, that's one thing. Or, you know, like I said, with tr- you put my name on something, it's going to be as good as it can get. When this tournament comes up in March, it's going to be as good as it can get. Because, you know, that's our name on it. And, you know, I can be a cordial host. I can talk with people. But I don't. I'm not that type of guy to just go to a random game store and be like, "Hey, do you, do you want to learn how to play Blood Bowl? It's a really fun game." <laughs> I don't know if I'm a people person either, because most people at first, I I usually throw them in the box of I hate this guy until they prove <laughs> me wrong, <laughs> and I know that's the wrong approach, and I'm really trying to work on that. But Scott and I have a good dynamic. We work well together, but <laughs> unfortunately, neither one of us is going to go out and make new friends. Well, that's why the world has Johnny P, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, what about the downturn in the economy? Um, I, all throughout the, the United States and, and the, the entire world, you know, wherever they play Blood Bowl, um, this has decreased the amount of uh, disposable income that people have. Yet you hear that the gaming industry is... <coughs> a recession-proof, but is at least somewhat immune to that. Blood Bowl being, because it's a niche game and and it's harder to get the stuff, it's a little bit more expensive, it can present a problem. Do you think this has hurt the game? Yes and no. Um, Here's how I look at Blood Bowl and how I sell it to new friends and other people that want to get into it. Yeah, it might be 100 bucks if you really want to buy... If you're like me and you want a full 16-figure team or maybe some extra sideline pieces or extra linemen in case that one time you want to play with 12 linemen and two blitzers or whatever, it's going to be expensive, and it feels expensive at, at, at the very beginning. But once you have that team painted, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. And t- I guarantee you we spend less money than any Magic player, and oh, that's the guys that just buy casual packs, any hero click player, uh, Dungeons and Dragons books and stuff, and all sorts of role playing games. They come out with a new. This is the the orc hunter master guide. This is this this bestiary and all this stuff. All these Munchkin. Keep up with Munchkin. Yeah, it's going to be cheaper than Blood Bowl, but there's expansions out all the time. Blood Bowl, since it's you can control it. If you want to play just one team. You invest $100. If you don't know how to paint, there's people that will paint for $100 or less. Or, you know, there you go. You're done. Or you can go find miniatures. There's D&D miniatures that are already pre-painted. There's other places that have pre-painted miniatures. There's eBay where you can find good deals on teams. And you can get things for a lot less. All you have to do is mark a number on your guy and make it easily identifiable identifiable yeah and you're set to go that's the beauty of blood bowl uh in second edition we played with the orcs and the humans with 40 teams 16 (laughs) games and that's all we needed was a number and an imagination so we didn't have to have those other things so while it's you know i know nobody has money it's a lot more cheaper to get into blood bowl than it is any other game i believe yeah when 
Scott was supposed to tell me about Blood Bowl, and he's mentioning the prices. And he's like, you know, it's like $55 for a team, and then the actual game, $75. And I'm like, that's, that's insane. I'm never going to spend that much money on it. It's ridiculous. And then I'd go and open up my full case of Hero Clicks that I bought for $300. <laughs> and, you know, I got to thinking about it, and a new set of Hero Clicks would come out every six months. And I was the type of guy that I had every single one of them. So I'd go just go ahead and buy a full case and then trade off whatever I had duplicates of for whatever I needed. So every three months I was plopping down 300 or every six months, 300 bucks or so on a full case. And Blood Bowl's a lot cheaper than that. <laughs> it really is. You know, I think I got my first team off eBay for like 40 bucks. I got another team for 35 and I thought about not buying the the base set, but I found it cheap, and I was like, okay, I'll just do this. And, of course, then it spread, and I have a lot of money tied up into it now. But it's my one hobby, and realistically, it's not that much. I've, had, I've spent more on comic books in a month than I do now on Blood Bowl. In the past, you know, I remember saving up for sales at the comic book store and having two hundred dollars just go blow on old comics. Whereas now, two hundred bucks for Blood Bowl it goes a long way. Especially like Scott says, once you have the game, that's all you need. You just need new teams if you want to play new teams. It just kind of depends who you are. Like I said, if yeah. you're a guy who only loves dwarves, you're only going to need a dwarf team. If you're a guy who like only plays elf teams, but you change it up you play dark elves this season and then what else the next season or if you're a guy like me and steve you know i bet steve's probably one or two teams away from having a separate team for every race and i know myself i'm like a slon team and just a few miniatures to having almost every team now they're not painted and this is a slow roll for me to to you know pick these up when i can but you know it just depends on what you're into so that's a very good question. I wonder if I am. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have the dynamic here where when I'm trying to get new players into the game, I say I don't care what you use for the figures, and you could use Lego pieces for all I care, as long as we can identify who they are. I One guy actually took me up on that and built a team of orcs with Legos. Did, have you seen <laughs> that thread on Talk Fantasy Football about people griping about the Legos? No, I didn't. There's a thread, I think it's in the general section, and somebody's talking about what do they use, and somebody said they use Legos, you know, for their, like, undead teams and stuff. And they look good, and they're well-marked and stuff, and the guy spent almost equal money getting all these ghost pieces and everything else off of eBay from these Lego sets, but so many people are griping at this guy. It's like, let him play the game. It's his imagination. Yeah, exactly. I don't care what people play as long as they're identifiable. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Although the one guy I painted his team uh, from the original works that come in the game, and he's now switched to Amazons and Norse, and he keeps using the same figures. So when he played them with Amazons, I said, that has got to be the ugliest Amazon team <laughs> I have ever seen. He said, yeah, but they're pretty for orcs. <laughs> That's true. You know, that does get – I'm finding it – as I get older and now we're, we have more teams, I'm finding myself like, getting more confused when I play somebody and, you know, across 
the table they only have humans maybe yeah. and they are playing as orcs or whatever but i just have to remember where i came from because there was a time where i couldn't afford any teams or i just didn't have the money for it so you know just use my imagination and as long as the positionals are clearly marked then it's it's my fault if i mess up after that <laughs> but i think also you know like you said you know it may be ugly amazons but that's also part of the fun of fluff Oh yeah, you, you can, can write it, make it up that they are the ugliest Amazons out there. Well, that's why I always said about corn. Everybody was griping that they really wanted to play corn. It's like, well, you have chaos, you have Nurgle, you have a chaos pack. Just figure out the fluff yeah. to justify whatever it is. You know, we had a guy in our league who played. He wanted to play ninjas, so he took a dark elf race and he bought ninja miniatures from Impact. I think was it from Impact? Was it the? Yeah, I think it is. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they were little ninja pieces, and he labeled them correctly so you knew who the blitzers mm-hmm. and the runners were, and it worked fine. Yeah. You know, find the race and then work the fluff around it. There's a guy that's actually in our league that I think is one of the most creative ideas. He wants to do like a real religious Jesus-type <laughs> team set in the old world um, with, you know, this leader and all these disciples. Well, he's taking Nurgle to represent this and stuff, <laughs> and stuff like Nurgle's Rot and stuff is like his influence on you to come join his side. And regeneration, obviously, is, you know, or disturbing presences is not really disturbing presence. It's like a holy aura. Yeah, a holy aura. You don't want to hurt me. I'm the savior, you know, and people are like, oh, yeah, I don't want to hurt you because you're the savior. <laughs> and I think it's brilliant, you know. And his, uh, his beast of Nurgle is going to be Lebowski. Oh, is it? The big Lebowski. So that's going to be Jesus. Oh, and, is that what's going on? Okay. Yeah, and then, um, like, he has tentacles, and it's going to be his loving arms. Oh, see. <laughs> so what happens when the beast dies? Does he get resurrected in the next game? Yeah, I, he'll, he'll just come back three days later. I, I guess he could, yeah. <laughs> Steve beat me to the joke. <laughs> Boom. But I, I found this player... He's one of our new players, and he kind of struggles with the fluff of stuff. I thought this was a kind of a cool original idea, and why not? We, yeah. we Their stats say Nurgle, but on paper they're going to be this religious group of uh, crazy people or See, whatever. And that's what I was complaining about. I always use this example because it makes the most <coughs> sense to me. In Heroclix, there was this power called Outwit. So if you could see somebody, you could turn off one of their powers. And people always use that on Batman or whatever. So there's also a power called stealth. So if you're in hindering, people can't see you. So you could be next to a bush and Batman can be in the bush, but since he has stealth, you can't see him. And since you can't see him, you can't use any of your range attacks or you know, turn off any of his powers or anything. Yeah, you can't draw a line of fire. Yeah. But people are always like, "But I know he's in the bush. Why can't I do it?" I'm like, "Look, it doesn't because they they tried to use fluff in that sense of I'm standing right next to it. I would know Batman's standing in this tiny bush. Or, you know, I can tell that he's behind that parking meter. It's not that big of a deal. And I go, stop thinking of it that way. Think of it this way. You take the rules as they are, or you take the facts as presented, and you make the fluff work around that. If the rules say that you can't see Batman that who's in the bush but you can punch him, then just know that you, there's somebody in the bush. You can't see exactly where, 
but you can beat the crap out of that bush, and you're going to hit the person inside of it. So, like, when all this corn crap came down, and people were complaining, well, this isn't a true representation of corn. They should have this, or they should be more powerful, or the bloodthirster should be like, no, just shut up. This is what it is. These are the names. These are the powers. Now make your fluff fit that dynamic. Oh, the bloodthirster should be more powerful. Well, you know what? It's not. So <laughs> in this universe, you know, let's just say that... It's a lesser bloodthirster. It's a lesser... <laughs> you know, Korn isn't as powerful because there hasn't been wars in a long time. So his minions are less powerful. And Nuffle, being the one true god of Blood Bowl has decided that they should be even less powerful or something. There are so many ways to make the fluff work for you, it's ridiculous to make the fluff work against you. That's good. So where do you think the game's going to be in five years? Like I said previously, I think it's going to be static. I think unless GW puts out another edition, then we're going to be the same rules. Hopefully, you know, maybe some more podcasts, maybe bigger and more tournaments but for the most part it'll be the same i see the rule set being the same i see more companies producing more and more teams for some new options for uh people to buy non-gw products i think that there will be more tournaments i think there 100 percent will be more podcasts i think there might even be some spring up from our european people overseas um, hopefully for us. Jeez, I, like I, said, I, I hope I, I hope the rules don't change. I because I I like that, but yeah, I think that the game will grow. Um, Everyone's afraid of change, but change can be good. It just depends on what the change is. Change can be good, but what they have to, what you don't want to happen is certain miniatures no longer be valid or something yeah. like that. There's there's a way around. Or just it. change for change. But sake. no, I think yeah. the game will grow. It just it just probably goes. Community by community. I think our community is going to grow and get bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. and we're going to have more and more tournaments. We're already seeing the influence of us, uh, the group up in Tulsa, who has a giant league. Yeah. They're going to start running tournaments. The so. one in Houston, the one coming up in Austin, the one not so much in Dallas, but um, one in Denver. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think it's going to grow. I really do. I think it's going to grow. I don't know if it's ever going to get to a point where they're producing new – you know, tabletop box sets or whatever, but it'll know. never rival, you know, 40K or something. It doesn't have the backing of the major company, but for what it is, it's very big and it's very loyal. Well, that's a good quote to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have anything else you wanted to add? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> You can take whatever we said and use it, except for us bad-mouthing our friends. No, no, it's okay. I'm not, <laughs> no. not going to do anything like that. No, I don't, I don't know what else to add. I mean, I don't know. Well, I hope the interview comes off as well as it was in our mind. I don't know. I, <laughs> oh, I always, great. I always worry about these things. I, sometimes I feel like we say too much, and then I don't know if we say enough. I, I don't know. No, you said perfectly the amount. It's all I have to do is just pick a couple of things so that I can put a few words together and say that you believe the government will fall or something like that. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, we can all hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
They're in militia. No. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. I, I this went on for uh, about an hour and a half, so um, I, like I really appreciate the time. Well, and I'll let you know around when the uh, next issue is coming out, and um, and give you guys a shout. All right. Well. I know we Some gave you a lot do. of info and just use whatever you want. I mean, we're not going to hold you to like, he, he got out that part that I said this. <laughs> yeah, we, we, As you can tell, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So whatever. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I love the podcast. Please keep going. Don't take a hiatus like those schmucks over at Warpath. Well, <laughs> we also haven't been doing it for four years. So. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I, I totally understand what they're going through because um, I saw that a lot of my creative stuff over the last three months has kind of dropped off because work has gotten so heavy. Yeah. But, over at Couch Pirates, I, I took some time off and didn't do my wrestling podcast or any other ones for a while just because every now and then you need a break. And um, I don't see us stopping just because we have so much fun with this. But mm-hmm. you, you never know. And I do miss the Zerp class, guys. I text Johnny every now and then. I go, come back, come back. <laughs> Oh, Scott, you'll you'll love the uh, the article I wrote for the next um, Libel magazine. It's coming out on Saturday. Um, apparently, we found out that Vince McMahon is coming out of retirement and starting a rival Blood Bowl league. Nice. The XFL. <laughs> awesome. So uh, you'll see. I wrote that one today. I had a lot of fun. Well, cool. That. Keep sending that stuff. We love. We love reading that that stuff, and you know it might influence us, and we might steal some of your good ideas. I just have this image of Vince McMahon yelling at the crystal balls. No, go over the field. Go right next to them. <laughs> so, like the balls are just like getting in the way of the players. And <laughs> well, we know Vince McMahon, so that means there's not going to be any black players in the league. Because <laughs> Vince is racist. No orcs. Yeah. So what are they, yeah, what are they going to do with the black orcs then? <laughs> well, there's there's not going to be any. Of the, Vince McMahon then would only have black orc teams versus black orc teams, and then he would give them the lower tier belt, but then claim that the half orc is fully full orc. <laughs> he, he only claims Rock is African American when he needs to. Otherwise, mm-hmm. that guy's fully Samoan. Vince McMahon's a racist. Oh, yeah. No black man has held the WWE title since its existence. I did not know. That. I'm not a wrestling fan, but oh. I, I just got the, the the idea, and I thought it would be fun. <clears throat> That's a big thing in our podcast. We talk about how there's actually like in the wrestling world, there's two like world titles. Well, one of them's the one that has the history that goes back to the '60s, while one of them is just like since 2002. It seems like the black guys, if they ever do win a title, it's the one with the short history. Why the prestigious belt is only the closest black guy that's ever held that is The Rock, and he's only like apart. <laughs> and I, we always talk about how he's <laughs> Vince is racist. <laughs> We need one of those colored guys to go through a table. <laughs> it's like, Vince, you're an old man. It's time to get with the, the He's update. never going to die. No, I don't think that guy is. That guy's pure evil probably in real life. But <laughs> anyways, enough wrestling talk. Yep. Hey, All th- right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Keep up the good work, man. Thanks. We'll do. Talk to you So you stuck through all that, and now you got us again. And I'm still here. Um, I think I'm starting to get a fever. Oh, great. Uh, we just figured we'd wrap this up real quick. And as I said, next week should be full of surprises. And uh, Scott just got a phone call. Oh, did you hear that? Yeah, of course. Oh, here.
<laughs> I'll, I'll hold it like this. It's the many listeners asking me if they need to send me some medicine or something. Probably so. Okay, well, if you have any questions on what we covered, uh, you can always contact us. At the end, we'll give you all the pertinent information. And as Scott said last time, see you next week. You can follow Both Down on Twitter, at Both Down. You can follow Scott at Fat Finley, F-A-T-F-I-N-L-E-Y, and Steve at Kilowog2814. If you'd like to email, their email address is bothdownpodcast at gmail.com. Or for more information, you can visit them at bothdown.com or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash bothdown. Both Down is a production of Couch Pirate Radio. Please drop by couchpirates.com to hear more of their podcasts.